Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I know a lot of you deal with. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD or ADHD, or even if you just have a kid, chances are you're dealing with anger. And today I'm going to talk to you about how to look at your child's anger and how to help your child work through their anger. There are a couple of things that we typically do that actually aren't very helpful. So I want to just go into those and give you some pointers so that maybe you can tweak things at home so that when your child is angry, you have some better tools in your toolbox. Okay. So for starters, I have four points that I want to touch on. The first one is often when I get a kid that comes into my practice and we're talking about anger and I'll say, when you're angry, what do you need to do? And they'll say, I need to not be angry. I need to not get so angry at that or so mad. And for some reason, kids get the message that the anger part is not okay. And I know a lot of times we don't convey that. Now, sometimes we do. Sometimes we say, you know, stop being so angry or stop being so mad um, or calm down and, and stop getting so upset about that. So sometimes we do directly attack the feeling um, because we're parents <laughs> and who thinks about these things in the moment when you're like, you know, you've got your hands full of groceries and your kids melting down on the floor and they're angry over something ridiculous. It's, it's very easy to be like, why are you angry about that? That's ridiculous. Get up. Totally guilty of doing that as well. But I do feel like when we, when we set our intention, and so a lot of times I'll talk about having the intention to parent in a certain way, and that's the most important thing. Because a lot of times we don't even have the intention to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them about anger in a different way. So the next time they're angry... I'm not going to discount their emotions. I'm going to try to validate their feelings, but channel it in a different way. That's setting a good intention. Whether you do that or not, that's okay because you're human and you have your own emotions. And sometimes that is not going to happen. And actually, I'm going to give you an example more in the middle of this episode about how I sometimes um, completely fail at my intentions, (laughs) but the intention is there. So a lot of times when I'm giving you tools, I just want you to have the intention. Um, Another way to frame that is having a goal, a parental goal. Like I want to highlight my child's strengths. I'm picking this one strength, this one strength that they have, and I'm going to highlight that for them in many different ways throughout the next few months. That's setting a goal or an intention. Instead of randomly saying, I just need to work on my kid's self-esteem and you know, I'm going to tell them that they're great. That's wonderful and a great thing to do, but setting a goal, a very specific goal is much more effective. Now, whether you do that or not, or whether you forget about it a lot of the time, that's okay. But the goal has been set. So same thing with anger. We talked about self-esteem in episode 89, when we were talking about perfectionism, and actually I am going to do an episode maybe next week on just self-esteem in general, because I noticed that I never actually have done an episode purely on self-esteem, but 
you want to set your goals. So the first point I want to make one out of four is normalize your child's anger. We want them to know that it is okay to feel angry. It's okay to be mad. It's just what you do with it. That's important. So we're not talking about attacking the feeling. We're talking about changing the behavior around the feeling or even the thoughts around the feeling and that it's okay to be angry. In fact, not only is it okay, but that it's normal and that everybody feels angry. The more you validate that, the more you normalize that, the better for the child, because then they're going to work on it. Because when we tell kids inadvertently or directly that their anger is not okay, you have an anger problem. Um, You have an anger issue. Your anger is the problem. They, They feel guilty. They feel shamed. And actually the anger can grow because then they're angry at themselves. And I deal a lot with that with my Mr. Nine. He's nine now. So now he's changed his name to Mr. Nine and he's a work in progress. And I'm going to use him as an example. And I actually talked to him yesterday and I, we had a whole situation going on and I said to him, is it okay if I use this story in my podcast? I said, you're Mr. Nine in my podcast. (laughs) Nobody knows who you are, Uh, but your, your, journey and your struggles and your successes and your amazing aha moments and the way that you handle things, they can teach other people and they can even teach parents. And he was like, Oh, definitely. I have no problem. Share that story. That's great. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday, but I know that in the past with my Mr. Nine, he felt like it was not okay to be angry. Even though I try to do, I try to set my goal of normalizing the anger. So the way that you can do this with your kids in the first step is when they get angry, the first thing you're going to say to them, or that you can say to them, you don't have to say it to them, but it'd be good if you did say it to them (laughs) is it's okay to be angry. Um, I find myself saying that a lot to my son when he's upset if he does something inappropriate with that anger, my first sentence is it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to hurt the dog. (laughs) My poor Ruby. Uh, yeah, Ruby and my son are not simpatico because the dog nips a little bit and the dog gets really upset. I think I've talked about this before, but my dog gets really upset when, um, there's any strong emotion in the house. (laughs) It's so weird. He's, she's a little rescue dog. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's up with her. It was funny. I was talking to my child's therapist about the dog yesterday and she, um, has a therapy dog in the office and, um, loves animals and is, is very much about that. And she was laughing and she was saying, is there any creature or animal or human being in your house? That's not anxious. (laughs) Because even the dog has major anxiety problems. It's not me because I picked up the dog, rescued the dog. The dog had anxiety before I touched it. So not taking responsibility for that one. But the dog gets really upset when my son is angry. And when she's upset, she will nip at the person that she thinks is causing the upsetness, which is great for me because when I lose my cool, or I even have like a rough tone with my kids, or if they're reacting in a really negative way towards me and the dog thinks I'm causing it, the dog will bite me. (laughs) It's kind of like, it's, it's good. Um, negative training (laughs) because I'm like, Oh, I got to keep my tone down because the dog's going to bite me. (laughs) 
So it's a gift from the universe to be a good mom. It's kind of funny. I can market her. You could borrow her and then she'll like, she'll nip, nip you into shape right away. <laughs> so the first step is normalize the anger. You know, I am robotic. When my son does something inappropriate with his anger, I can hear myself like robotically saying, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to blah, blah, blah. So we want to normalize it. Second point out of the four, you want to help your child connect the dots. So, and I'm going to give you an example that's going to pull all of these points together at the end so that you can see how this all comes together. And a lot of it, I mean, everything I talk about is not rocket science. I say that a lot. This is obvious stuff, but I think sometimes just hearing someone else talk about it or giving you a different perspective, it's not like, oh, okay, that was, I didn't think about that. I think everything I say typically is somewhat obvious, but we don't really look at things in this way, or it brings your attention back to looking at it this way, like a reminder of like, oh, right. I need to reset and think of anger in this way. So the second point is to connect the dots for your child. More often than not, a lot of kids and adults, they don't recognize how their an event or situation has triggered their anger. So especially in my house with my son, he gets angry and he does not follow the breadcrumbs back to what triggered his anger. And we really want to make that full circle connection so that eventually they can articulate their anger and they can say, well, you really hurt my feelings or you really scared me instead of raging, retaliating or getting aggressive, which is kind of what happens in my house. And I'll give you an example about that in a minute. I'll try to think of another example because the example that happened yesterday is going to pull all of these points together. So let's say your child is afraid to go to bed and you know, they have major anxiety around sleep. It's one of those things that most anxious people have an issue with anxious kids, at least even some adults. And it's almost bedtime and your child is getting riled up and you say, go brush your teeth. And they're saying, I don't want to go to bed. Um, and you know that their anger is directly related to the fact that they're going to have to go to sleep soon, or they come out of their bedroom and they're very aggressive and hostile because they don't want to sleep on their own, whatever you get the point. And let's say they come out and they're throwing shoes around and they're kicking the couch and they're screaming at that point. You would say something like, we're going to bring in point one and point two. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to throw things. And then you connect the dots and you would say something like, I know going to bed scares you. So what I did there is I completely did not address the negative behavior that he's doing in that moment. I'm not going into it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel anger, but it's not okay to throw your shoes. And if you continue to throw your shoes, you're going to get a strike. You know, I use three strikes. You're out of my house. So I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use that in that moment. And you wouldn't want to go on and be like, you're going to lose your iPad or you're going to lose that play date you have tomorrow. And all you're doing at that point is you're just taking this huge bottle of, um, gasoline and you're pouring it on the fire. Don't do that. Like, do you really want to fire at your house when you want your kid to go to bed? So, and it's not helping them build skills in the moment. So I would, unless they're doing something really dangerous, you obviously want to stop the behavior, right? I mean, so that's obvious, but then the processing part is very brief and it's just connecting the dots. You don't want to be too 
verbose. So calm yourself down. (laughs) I have way too many parents who are too verbal when their kids are seeing red or are overly anxious. That's a totally different podcast. Might be a really good podcast episode. Calm your verbalness down. (laughs) Less is more. Less is more, child. Do not over-process when your kids are emotionally dysregulated because the ears are turned off. So you are wasting your breath. It's the Charlie Brown wah, 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 wah. And you're not helping because right then in that moment is a learning opportunity. And if you can see these moments, whether it's anger or paralysis with anxiety, whatever the most difficult situations you face as a parent to your child, that is your biggest learning moment. And when you look at it that way, like, oh, here's a great learning moment. (laughs) Who does that? But if you could, and I I try, I mean, like 10% of the time I am in the zone, but that's, you know, you're human, but those are your learning moments. So you want to connect the dots briefly. So you would say something like, let's take our kid that I'm just making up as an example. He's throwing shoes around. He doesn't want to go to sleep. He's scared. And you have already said, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to throw shoes. You're saying it in a nice, calm voice. And then you say, I know that it's scary to go to bed. I know that the dark scares you. I know that you wish that I could sleep with you. And I know that you're very angry that you have to go in there and face your fears right now. And your child is going to bark back probably something like this. No, I'm not. Or that's stupid. Or you're stupid. Um, Or they they might confirm it and they might be like, why won't you sleep with me? It doesn't matter whether they agree with you or not agree with you or whether they argue with you or they don't argue with you or whether they continue to throw things at you because your goals parentally are not dependent on your child's acceptance of them or not. Your intentions and your goals are to build their skills to self-regulate whether they respond well in that moment or not. Does the farmer stop farming because he doesn't see his tomatoes planted and bright red the first day that he plants his seeds? If the farmer stopped planting because he didn't see his end product, which is going to be like four months from now, we would all not be able to eat salads. (laughs) What a weird analogy. But you know what I mean? You're not going to see the end result of all your labor for quite a while because a lot of the time in parenting, we are planting seeds. So go plant your seeds and don't come back and say, well, you can't really come back to me, but don't say in your head, you know, Natasha, I tried that on your podcast. I tried everything you were saying and it didn't help. My child still threw a flip-flop at me. Well, okay. Well, the seed was planted. You're helping. Every little bit helps. Okay. So up next, I'm going to talk to you about the last two points. And then I'm going to wrap it up with an example from my house yesterday and show you how all these things can come together. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. This episode is brought to you by a new marriage counseling app called Lasting. I know a lot of us struggle with our partners and having a child with anxiety or OCD does not make that easier. With this app, you can try to work on those issues with your partner even if you just have five minutes a day, and even if they're not even in the same state, even if they're on a business trip, you can still use the app together. Lasting is based on research and science, and it fits into a busy schedule. And if you're one of my listeners, 
you can unlock the entire app and get your first month of lasting premium for just 99 cents. So you can always download the app for free on iTunes or to get this special deal, go to getlasting.com slash A-T. That's G-E-T-L-A-S-T-I-N-G dot com slash A-T and use the offer code A-T at checkout and get your first month for just 99 cents. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. Okay, so... Step one was normalize the anger. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to blah, blah, blah. Step two was connect the dots. You know, don't even say you're angry because, because that doesn't go down well. Um, And even though you don't have to care how it goes down, we don't, that's fuel to fire and we don't need fuel to fire. So it would just be, I know it's scary to not go to bed at night and feel safe. Or I know that what she just said really hurt your feelings. So we're not saying you're angry because, um, because they're not going to hear the after because they're going to just see red and they, I'm not angry because. So watch your language on that one. Step three, give them outlets. So a lot of times this is another therapist mistake and it's a lot of, um, parent mistakes. We want to suppress the anger We don't think anger is an okay feeling, and we don't think that getting out anger is an okay thing, and so we tell our kids, just take some deep breaths and calm down. Well, I'm sorry. If I have endorphins pumping all throughout my body, cortisol's pumping, and adrenaline is just driving my anger, I am not going to be able to just, you know, sit with that. Those chemicals are going to want to get out. That energy that has been created in my body needs an outlet. And if you don't provide me with one, I'm going to have a hard time. So breathing is great, but it's a side note. In my opinion, we need to give our kids an activity to literally get out that anger out of their body. So you you want to positively channel it. And if they don't have something to do to channel it outward, they're going to channel it either inward towards themselves or outward towards you or someone else near them. So give them outlets that can look different for each kid. So you're going to want to sit with your child when they're calm. And when you're not talking about something that just happened and say, you know what, when you get angry, what do you think would be a cool idea to get your anger out and give them options? So with my Mr. Nine, I have to start getting used to saying Mr. Nine, he would pick, um, we had lots of options. We have a little trampoline upstairs that is in the house and he could bounce on it. Um, sometimes he likes to hang upside down when he's angry. I don't know why. Um, I have a like little bendy stick cause he likes to break things. He likes to break pencils. Um, and I said, that's okay. He likes squishies, you know, those, um, very popular little squishy toys. He likes those. Uh, I have stress balls and I have ones that are in like a netting and you squeeze them and different colors pop out. That's kind of visually rewarding. And you want to provide them with some options. A lot of times with kids, and I've never done this with my son, but I did yesterday, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I will have them, depending on where they live and what their weather is like, I'll have them get a huge bucket of ice, and I'll have them go crash ice in their backyard. 
So here in Arizona, a lot of us have uh, cedar block walls. I don't know why they do that in Arizona, maybe because of the heat and stuff, but we, a lot of us have these really ugly cedar block walls. Um, it's very popular out here and they're very hard obviously cause they're like cement and I will have kids just go and take ice and chuck it at that. Or if you have a concrete patio or some area where it's safe for a child to throw ice, that's very rewarding because they want to see some impact you want to, you want to break something. You know, when you get angry, doesn't it feel good to slam things, slam doors? There's a, there's a physiological reason why that feels good because you are releasing the adrenaline that's in your body. Um, I know when I'm angry, um, I just love slamming my car door. (laughs) I feel bad afterwards. So it's like a win then lose, but it feels good in the moment. And there's a little bit of anger that's released. So we want to teach our kids and us grownups too, are there ways that we can release it that don't scare other people and that don't do damage to either somebody's body or physical damage to property? So screaming in a pillow, I know that's a very common therapist thing to say, take deep breaths and scream in a pillow. To me, it just doesn't cut it. But you know, maybe your child's different. Um, I definitely allow kids to scream as much as they want. I think a lot of times parents will micromanage even that and will want them to go to their room, but be quiet, go sit on your bed and be quiet. And then if they scream, we come back into the room and we say, you know, you need to be quiet. Or if they throw things around, Hey, you need to calm down. That's physiologically not fair because they have all of this adrenaline pumping. What are they supposed to do with it? And they may want to scream it out. They may want to hit it out. So where can they do that? And how can they do that? So give them outlets. Now they may not use those outlets right away because kids are difficult and they might just get more fun upsetting you. So some of the release might be in the, in the interaction to retaliate. I am angry at you. And so I want to retaliate and make you upset, or I want to physically retaliate and hurt the person who's hurting me. So there is that component that you have to work on with their thoughts, but you also want to give them outlets. The, the fourth point and the final point is you want to praise them when they do it. And I know that seems obvious, but a lot of times let's take our boy, for example, that we're talking about in our fake example, and then I'll go into what happened yesterday. So he doesn't want to go to bed. He's anxious. We know he's anxious. We know he's had a, like a long history of feeling anxious at bedtime. He's coming out. It's not a mystery. You know exactly why he's anxious, but it's turned into anger. Like it does a lot. And he's, he throws, um, a flip-flop at you and then hits the couch or whatever. And then you say to him, Hey, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to throw things. I know that going to bed at night and feeling anxious is a really hard thing for you. I know bedtime is one of the hardest times and that can feel really overwhelming. So I know that you're mad right now. Why don't you go and, and then fill in whatever it is that you tell your child to do. And it might be worth taking five, 10 minutes off of their bedtime and letting them get out their anger you know, here's your squeezy ball, you know, go squeeze your ball for a little while, um, and listen to some music. And then I'll tuck you back in and you can lay down. And let's say your child did that. They squeezed on their ball for a little while, got their anger out, and then they laid down and they went to bed. Well, when you're tucking them back in, you might then praise them and say, you know, I love the way that you, you know, channeled all your anger and you squeezed the ball and you calmed down and you went to bed. That was really good. Cause I know sometimes it's hard to control anger. You know, I have that too. It's super hard sometimes, 
but you were able to, to get it out on that ball. And now you feel better and you can go to sleep. So instead of highlighting, you know, next time tomorrow, if you give me a hard time with this, um, you're going to lose, you're going to lose all electronics because we're not having another night like this. Go to bed. Okay. There's no, there's no closure. There's no loop closure of what aha moment, what learning moment did that child get from that? You want a takeaway because otherwise what's the point of suffering and having a really bad experience with your kid? If you don't have a learning lesson through it and because of it. So it doesn't seem very intuitive to praise your child after they have an explosive episode or an anger issue. But if they do any small thing that you're telling them to do, as far as rechanneling their anger towards something else, or they connect the dots and they say, I'm so angry because I told you this morning that I had homework in my backpack and you didn't take it out or whatever. I'm just making that up. You know, then you're going to praise them for articulating. Even if they're acting inappropriately, you're going to still say in the moment, you know what? I think that's great that you're able to recognize that that's what you're angry about. That's great. And maybe don't do it in the moment if your child's going to go off the handle, but it's something to reflect on briefly. Don't overprocess, but go back and highlight that at the end, because the more you praise any positive behavior, whether they can articulate their anger or they channel their anger in, um, in something that is inanimate and can't be hurt. (laughs) You want to praise all those things. Even if there was components of that experience that you thought were really bad, highlight the good because then it will stick. It's like you're putting tape on good experiences. Think of it that way. So every time your child does something good, even in a bad moment, and you go back and you highlight that and you praise that, it's like sticky tape. You just put a tape on that memory and you highlighted it. So your child can go back memory wise and say, Oh my gosh, my mom really likes when I do this. And they're more likely to do it again. So sticky tape, positive moments, even in ugly moments, and it's going to be remembered more often. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about what happened yesterday, just to tie this all up for the last bit of this episode. So I was taking, I was picking up my kids from school and my, now I, my six-year-old is almost seven. So she's still Mr. Miss six, but my eight-year-old is now nine. And so he's Mr. Nine and we're driving home and Mr. Nine is obsessed with weather right now. And you'll find that a lot of anxious kids get obsessed with whatever scares them. Like for instance, Mr. Nine, I said, Mr. Nine, what do you want to be for Halloween? We're all talking and Miss Six wants to be a police officer and my 15 year old. Yeah, she still likes trick or treating and I totally support that. (laughs) She wants to be some sort of like weird, creepy face. I don't even get what she wants to be, but that's her. And I am going to dress up this year because I love Halloween and I'm going to be like, uh, like a bride, but like a ghost bride. I don't even know what it is, but it was beautiful costume. And so I said to Mr. Nine, what do you want to be? And he's like, death. And I was like, like, what do you want to be? What costume? I want to be death, mom. I want to be death. Is there a costume that is just death? <laughs> he, well, you know, he has had in the past ongoing issues with dealing with death and fear of dying, fear of getting hurt. And so I think it's like hysterical that he wants to be death. And so I got him a grim reaper costume. And I said, this is kind of what represents death. And he said, perfect. That's what I want to be. So, um, I see that a lot with kids, like they want to be into things that scare them. So 
he was talking a lot about weather and um, he was talking about tornadoes. So he's like super obsessed with tornadoes right now because he's afraid of them really. And so I'm cleaning out his backpack and I see, I see it like a book from the library and it's all about tornadoes. (laughs) And then he gets this like ice cream squishy as a prize from something. And like the whole night he's pretending it's a tornado. And then yesterday he's like, it was storming out and he's like, mom, do you think that you think a tornado is going to come? Because I think I can handle it. I think I can handle a tornado. And he's talking about all the things that we have to do to be safe. Anyway, so yesterday afternoon, I picked my kids up from school. And I don't know why, but my son just immediately starts talking about tornadoes. Do you know that tornadoes can happen in Arizona, but it's highly unlikely? He's very intelligent. So he's like, um, do you know that in hurricanes, there's a time in hurricanes where you're in the eye of the storm. So you think you're safe, but you're not safe. You're like five hours out of not being safe. And so if you get out of your house because you think you're safe, the hurricane is going to get you. And so meanwhile, Miss Anxious Six is sitting there next to him and she starts to freak out. So she is screaming. She goes from zero to 60 lately. And honestly, I don't know if it because she was just diagnosed with celiac disease and just all the life changes that are happening for her. Celiac in and of itself causes a lot of anxiety and irritability, but she's just gone off the hook. And I feel really bad for my son because she will just scream at him like, you're stupid and I hate you and you're the worst brother. Like just horrible things that we don't normally, we like we don't talk like that in my house, but we have lately. Well, she has. So she went from zero to 60 and starts screaming at the top of her lungs how she hates him. And I say, hey, Mr. Nine, please stop talking about the tornadoes and the eye of the hurricane killing us because you're scaring her. And then she starts screaming, you're all going to die. What you're trying to say is we're all going to die and I don't want to (laughs) die. So she starts crying hysterically and then he can't handle it anymore. He gets overwhelmed. And he freaks out. And so he is screaming at her to be quiet. <laughs> the irony is not lost. By the time I get in my driveway, they are, they've both completely lost it. And they are both screaming at each other. And it is pure chaos in the car. And it's just the three of us. So I, I tell my six-year-old, get out of the car, you know, and I give her a hug. And I tell her, just get into the house. And she's crying. And so she goes into the house. And then my nine-year-old, he is, he's just lost it in the car. And so they're both like having full, full-blown meltdowns over nothing, tornadoes, hurricane, eye of the storm. I mean, whatever, right? You get this because you probably live this too. So only you guys would understand my struggles. And he's not getting out of the car because he kind of, he goes into like, He's scary when he's angry. She's not. That's why I had her go into the house because I could deal with her later. One hug and she's better. He He's scary and you don't know what's going to happen with him. So I'm going to the other side to get him and I hear this big bang on the window, like almost like someone's trying to break the window. So, well, not someone, my nine-year-old. <laughs> no mystery there. So I open up the van and he had taken the... Um, He had taken the seatbelt, the metal part of the seatbelt, and he had flung it at the window on purpose. So I completely lost my cool. So this is an example of, I do have an intention. I do have a goal. I actually literally had just talked to his therapist. We had a parent session 
yesterday afternoon. So a few hours prior to this incident, I had just talked to his therapist. And even if you are a therapist, it is so important for you to have a therapist for your kids. I'm a big proponent of that because they need their own space and they need someone who's not mom. So they have a wonderful therapist and she's got this wonderful dog. And um, we had just talked about all this kind of stuff. So my goals, my intentions were at the forefront of my brain um, that I really need to help him with self-love and self-acceptance. It wasn't really as much about his anger. It was more about just self-love and self-acceptance. So my intentions were there, but my anger when he tried to break our window got the best of me as I'm sure that happens to you guys too. And I share, um, I share my mistakes and I share my humanness to let you know that we are all human. We all make mistakes. We all lose our cool and forgiveness for ourselves is important as well. And that's why I make sure to share the ugliness of my parenting and the learning in my parenting so that we can all be in it together. So I lost it on him and I, and I said to him in a, I shouted at him and I said, you do not break our windows. (laughs) You do not ever break our windows. That's going to cost thousands of dollars to fix. I don't know how long, I don't know how much it would cost, but I was very angry and we're not going to pay for that. So it's okay to be angry. Now I'm saying this, but I'm not saying it in a great way. So I shout, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to break windows. (laughs) And then for some small miracle, I got it together. Like there was an aha moment where I was like, bring it down, Natasha, bring it way down. And I did. And I'll be honest, a lot of times I don't, I do not recover until afterwards. And then I do a lot of I'm sorry's and you know, it wasn't okay for me, but in the moment I got it together because I had set a goal and intention that day to work on his self-esteem. And then this little voice in my head was like, you're not being very loving right now. (laughs) Or like, no wonder why he's not self-loving. Like this isn't a very self-loving moment. And so there was an awareness, thankfully. And I love when I have the awareness in the moment because those are the best times. Because then I said to myself very quickly, this is a learning moment. Teach him, don't yell at him. Um, Honestly, that happens a very small percentage of my life, but when it does, they're so good. And if I could have more of those and you know, the better it will be for my kids. So the intention is there to to have more of those moments. And so then I took a breath and I said to him, I'm sorry the, you know, you breaking the wind, you trying to break the window that very, that was very upsetting for me. And then I went right into normalizing his anger and connecting the dots. And so I just said, it is okay to be angry. And I said it again in a calm voice. And I said, I know she was upsetting you because she was saying some really hurtful things. And I'm working on her not saying those hurtful things to you because that is not okay. And I, and then I went into kind of reframing the whole way he looks at himself. And I said, you know, I was just talking to your therapist about how awesome you are. And we were talking about, um, how you have come so far and you're learning how to control your anger. And I know this is, this is a rough moment and you're having a rough moment right now, but we were just talking about how amazing it is that you are really learning how to control your anger. Anger is okay, but it's what you do with it. And he completely calmed down. And then I went on to say, and I just had your parent teacher conference and your teacher was also saying how amazing you are and what a good student you are and how helpful you are. And so how let's talk about what we can do with this anger. And then, um, he calmed down and he articulated, it was amazing. 
And he said, I'm sorry, mom. When I have this anger, I have to get it out. And I don't know where to get it out, which was amazing for him to be able to articulate that at nine. And for him, especially because he is not a very expressive kid. And um, when he has been angry, and this has been very upsetting to get it out He has been pinching himself, biting his tongue, or bending his toe so he can feel pain, which is completely not okay and very upsetting. And I've been talking to him about that. And he said, well, I I need to get my anger out. And so that's really the only way. You don't want me to hit other people? Because when he was little, like preschool and even kindergarten, he would pinch people. If they upset him or if they hit him um, or hurt his feelings even, a lot of times, not a lot of times, but enough times as a parent, I would get calls like, you know, Mr. Nine, he wasn't nine at the time. It'd be like, Mr. Five has, you know, he pinched his friend and it wasn't his friend, but he, he would retaliate. He was, he's very retaliatory and we've been working on him not retaliating, but then it became self hating and then he would hurt himself. And so we've been working on where do you put this anger? And in that moment, he was able to say, you don't want me to hit other people and I can't hit the window. You don't want me to hurt myself. I have anger I have to get out, which was such an aha moment for me that he didn't have any tools in the moment. And so I said to him, all right, go in my bedroom and you can sit there so you're not near your sister. And then I'm going to get you a big bucket of ice. And I had never done this with him before. So he was like, what? So I get this huge bucket of ice and I say, come out into the patio. Now he loves being outside. When he's upset, that's one of his zones. Remember, I don't know if you've listened to any of my other episodes, but I talk a lot about zones. And zones aren't very complicated. They are just areas that your child can go to when they're angry that are kind of safe places. So he, we have a huge beanbag and it kind of wraps his body. That's one of his zones. But then he got afraid of a spider in there. I don't know why. He just kind of manifested this idea that there's spiders in the big beanbag. So that's not really a favorite zone anymore. And I bought a swing that hangs in our living room. And it kind of is like one of those like cocoon swings. So like you can go inside of it and then no one really can see you. And that's a zone. And then upstairs in his room is a zone. And my bedroom is a zone. And the patio outside is a zone. So when he's angry, sometimes I'll say, go to one of your zones. Or when I am angry or I'm like trying to do work in the living room and my kids are playing in the living room, I'll say, you have five zones to go to. So we don't always use it just for anger. Um, I'll say, the playroom is a zone. Go out in the backyard. That's a zone. The office is a zone. The glow room, we have like a little closet under our stairs. And I turned it into what we call, we call it the glow room because I have a black light in there and we used to have like little glow dance parties in there. So the glow room is like a little toy room and they can go in there too. So find places where your kids can go. Um, and you can call them zones or whatever you want to call them. And that's where they can go for their anger. So he was in one of his zones, which was my bedroom, because it's a privilege and nobody else is allowed to go in there when you're in there. If you're angry, I got a big bucket of ice and he went out in the backyard and I say, look, with the older kids I work with, when they're angry, I tell them, get a bucket of ice and throw it, throw it on the patio. And so he looked at me, and goes, okay. So we, we both got ice and we threw it. And it's the first time I ever did it. I mean, I've recommended doing this forever, but it's the first time I ever actually one had my kid do it. And two, I did it myself. And it was like super rewarding because we have like these big ice cubes and just seeing them, like, it felt like you're breaking glass, like you're just shattering them into pieces. And then Ruby, our dog comes running out. Ruby loves ice. <laughs> so it was a win-win because 
it's shattering into a million pieces. And then Ruby is going and grabbing the ice. And so she thinks this is the best thing since sliced bread and probably even better than bread because Ruby doesn't eat bread, but the best thing since sliced bones. And he calmed down right away. He went through the whole bucket, broke the ice. And then I said, do you feel better? And he said, I do. He's like, I like that. And I said, how about you just stay out here in the backyard, um, watch some TV on your iPad and just regroup and then come in when you're ready. And the re- and then I had to go deal with my Miss Six. She's so much easier. I just give her a hug and I say, um, you know, I know that tornadoes scare you. She's not hard at all. So we won't go into that. You know, I just had to normalize it for her. And then, um, and then she was done. So the point is with, with anger, it's a muddy, messy process. So hang in there. And there were victories in that. And later on in the day, I came back and I said, you know, I love the way that you were able to tell me that you need to get your anger out. That's amazing. And then that you were able to like throw ice and calm down. Let, let's do that more often. You know, let's have ice on tap, you know? And then he said, like a totally anxious kid, I don't want to waste ice, mom. You know, I felt like that was very wasteful. <laughs> oh, anxiety, right? And I said, it's water and don't worry about it. We have plenty of water. So we don't really, we live in a desert, but we do have plenty of water. I said, you're not wasting it. So it, it's for a good cause. It doesn't cost any money. It's a good thing. So you, you want to normalize the anger, connect the dots, give them an outlet and praise them for using any and all, well, not all, but any of the tools that you give them, any places that you want to put a sticky and say, Hey, this is a moment that I love. Let me highlight it and put a little sticky note on there so that you come back to this some other time in your life. Do that. Okay. Well, I hope that you found this episode helpful. And if you are enjoying my podcast in general, I love when you give back, hit a star on iTunes to rate my show. I really appreciate that. Or if you have 10 seconds, leave a review um, to show my respect and appreciation for people who leave reviews. I always like to end my show by reading one of them. Butterfly5 wrote, these podcasts give me hope. I am so thankful for Natasha's work. It is so nice to hear from a therapist and mom who is in this battle of anxiety and OCD with me. My son and our family benefits from this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful review. I really appreciate it. So if you have something to share, please leave it. And maybe I will be reading your review next episode. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.